This is the big pond. Dimitri Hegemann is walking up the concrete steps of his music venue Kraftwerk in the center of Berlin. The building used to hold turbines for the central East Berlin power plant next to the wall. But it was no longer needed when the industrial complex was refurbished at the end of the 1990s. In Berlin, we, we invest 800 million euros per year into culture, you know, and it works. People come and enjoy it, you know. Transforming old buildings into new cultural venues without changing much of the initial architecture turned Hegemann into Germany's most famous club owner, at least when it comes to electronic music, or more precisely, techno music. Even more famous is the name of his music club, Tresor, which is housed in the building where we meet. Dimitri Hegemann turned 64 last year and now sports a hat of completely white hair. His club Tresor opened its doors shortly after the fall of the Berlin Wall and became widely known as the world center of the Berlin techno revolution, a revolution that shaped Germany's capital during the 1990s. It was a historical moment. It was the fall of the wall, you know, and um, before the in 88, in 87, I was already, I did run a small record label and I was in touch with some artists. That was when Dimitri Hegemann made his early friends in the US music scene, first in Chicago and then in a city that may soon be sending their tunes across the Atlantic Ocean, all the way to the famous symbol of freedom when the Iron Curtain fell, the reunified city of Berlin. By chance, I, disc I got in touch with um, a project from Detroit. And uh, one of the members in this project was Jeff Mills. So I have, was already involved in music and I didn't know how to make a record. And when the wall came down, we never found a, a venue for this music. It was so fresh. So then we decided, coming from a label side, record label side, to do our own stage. So we. We opened our club, you know, and um, we had this situation that there was, after the fall of the wall, a huge uh, euphoria in the city. And there was no curfew since '49. Berlin has no curfew. Then there was this um, incredible venue we found called the Tresor. It was an old vault, you know, located in the heart of Berlin between the infamous wall, two infamous walls and um, then there was this new sound. Techno music became the soundtrack of the freshly reunited city of Berlin. Sonic Destroyer is the name of this very first track of Dimitri Hegemann's Tresor record label. For techno fans, this track marks the heroic start of Berlin's transformation into the world's leading techno metropolis. The track was produced by the same friends from Detroit that Dimitri Hegemann met just as the 80s became the 90s. Jeff Mills and Mike Banks. I asked Mike, man, Mike, you know, kids from the East and the West, you know, 
they are so happy that the wall is open now. The reunification takes place, but we need your music, you know. That's what I said. So he said, okay, we will be right there. And they came over, you know, and both parties from east part of Berlin and the west part did like it, you know. And so they start dancing through the night, you know, with the soundtrack. Techno became the soundtrack of the unification, and I must say, it came from Detroit. During the second half of the 1990s, Berlin was the black sheep of European capitals. The former socialist eastern part seemed to have been painted grey behind the Iron Curtain, already suffering huge economic problems before the fall of the war. And West Berlin lost enormous amounts of yearly subventions from West Germany that kept the walled-in city alive. Then, electronic music kicked in and started an economic healing process. With new clubs and record labels, artists began using rundown empty buildings, many of them in the heart of the city, right next to the former Berlin Wall. One generation later, Berlin is no longer defining its life based only on a certain music style. The German capital became the leading cultural spot of all of Germany, and the economy soon followed. Now, Dimitri Hegemann has a new dream. Looking at the success story of Berlin today, he would like to give something back to where the music once came from, Detroit, Motown, the Modo City. The best thing is if you compare cities like, let's do it with Berlin and Detroit, you know, and when we set up the question, what do we have, what Detroit has not, or what has Detroit, what we do not have here in Berlin, And one thing we have in Berlin is we have no curfew. We have 24 hours open and the crime rate is down, really down here. And uh, this nighttime economy, you know, has inspired many, many young startups, you know, to move here or to do something. And new ideas, you know, new business ideas. You can find in galleries, in cafes, in, in restaurants, you know, you can find it in different sport events. Everything happens in the night, in the nighttime. And I tell you, this um, is a huge attraction for many people living in, in Europe. More than five years ago, Hegemann founded an association together with his Detroit friends to bring his idea to Motown and promote Detroit. They brought DJs, bar owners and journalists together and started their own association called the Detroit Berlin Connection. Why don't they have similar working conditions? Because there's a lot of space and Detroit for me is a mecca of the music of America. It's not just the Detroit techno thing, it's also hip-hop and bebop and Motown, you know. Detroit, Hegemann says, should develop a nighttime economy like Berlin. The first step to doing that, however, is a lobbying point that is key to their association. Detroit must lift its curfew that forces bars and clubs to close by 2 a.m. I'm flying over the big pond to meet Dimitri Hegemann's friends in Detroit. Good, how are you? Nice to see you? One of them is Walter Vesage, originally a music journalist who has been following the music scene in Detroit for several decades. He is now a board member of the Detroit Berlin Connection. He invites me to a tour of Detroit. 
I'm going to drive through. We can uh, integrate this into the interview if you like, but we're driving now through the north end of Detroit. And we're going to... Uh, After a while, we stop at Detroit's largest historic auto factory, the abandoned Packard plant. Here, Walter Versace is explaining how Dimitri Hegemann's dream of the Detroit-Berlin connection evolved. But the, what Dimitri has done here is come with vision. He didn't come with money, which is you know unusual for American uh, uh, development uh, you know strategies. When we first met with the mayor of Detroit's office, I was in the meeting with him. Then he came. He said his, his introduction was, "I'm from Berlin. I have no money in my pocket. I bring no money." And the people in the room from the city were like, well, who's this guy? You know, what is, what is this guy doing? What is he talking about? He has no money. But then he, he, his, his presentation is so, uh, he has a very poetic and very, um, you know, lyrical and, you know, beautiful story to tell about, you know, Berlin. So then people begin to listen. And the once famous Packard plant is part of this poetic narrative. The idea is to transform at least a small part of this huge industrial complex into a techno club and artist spot. This would mean transforming the symbol of the decline of US auto production into something prosperous again. From the Packard plant, we move toward the inner city of Detroit, passing through the formerly wealthy Boston Edison neighborhood, the neighborhood where Aretha Franklin used to live before she died last year. Many of the once luxurious villas are abandoned and trees and bushes have found their permanent home, developing with no boundaries. Here, Detroit is but a shadow of its wealthy history. 20 years ago, uh, it began, be, be, began to get very shabby. People were moving out. Some of the houses were bought for very much, very little, com comparatively speaking to other big cities in the U.S. You could buy one of these huge houses for... Uh, I'm just throwing out a number, about $100,000 or something like that in, let's say, 20, in 2000, year 2000, buy a house for $100,000. While the auto industry had started to decline much earlier, Detroit had continued to develop more music and culture into the 90s, says Walter Versace. As we continue our drive into a wide avenue with two-story buildings on both sides of the street. It's still regarded. People still think about this as the original Techno Boulevard, Gratiot, uh, near Russell in Eastern Market. Why, it's, why is it called Techno Boulevard? Uh, because the artists who were part of the first, really first generation of techno um, artists were had studios here. Derek May has uh, Transmat, uh, his Transmat label based in uh, Eastern Market on Gratiot. Um, and there were some German uh, techno people, Mark Ernestus and Moritz von Oswald from Basic Channel, who either purchased a building here and quickly or could not develop it. Less than five minutes away, Walter Versace stops his car close to a nondescript two-story building. The unassuming house is nothing less than the headquarters of Detroit's techno stars who made their way overseas to Berlin in its roaring 90s. Now... It houses Detroit's private techno museum and the production studio of Mike Banks and Jeff Mills, the two producers of the very first track of the Tresor record label. Walter Versace is walking upstairs to meet Angie Linder and Cornelius Harris, who is Mike Banks' manager. They're convening the board of the German-American Detroit Berlin Connection. 
The most important part of their discussion today, the next steps to convince Detroit's city hall to cancel the curfew in the city. I'm sitting with Angie Linder, head of the board downstairs after the meeting. We wait on a small sofa facing the street window of Mike Banks' techno museum. Angie is a young mother and is married to a techno DJ. Detroit exports most of their um, DJs and artists to cities like Berlin that have an economy that can, you know, they can get paid or they can take care of their families by doing some shows, you know, over there. They have the, the money that can afford them to do that. They don't want to do that. They want to do that on their home turf. They want to be here for their kids on the weekend. They want to, you know, spend time with their family. But there's a, some people that are just traveling nonstop. Angie Linder wants to see this change. She hopes that Detroit, like Berlin, is ready to develop a nighttime economy on the basis of its music artists, including the many techno DJs. But it still seems there's a long way to go. They can't go and, and make a living off of what they're doing and what their passion is in the city that created them, created the music they love, influenced them, because there's just not the economic support um, due to limited operating hours in venues. You can go to some of the smallest bars around the city and you'll find world-class talent playing to two people. Why so? Just, there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot. Hmm, why is it? Let me think on how to explain that. No reason for that. Suddenly, interrupting our interview, Mike Banks shows up. Hi, Mike. Hey, Angie. Good. How are you guys? Yeah, it's okay. Sorry. Yeah, I, tr I wasn't sure which button to push. I'll turn it off when we leave. Thank you. Why don't you stay and give me an interview afterwards? <laughs> The famous techno DJ can't stay, but his manager, Cornelius Harris, who is also a board member of Dimitri Hegemann's Detroit Berlin Connection, does. He's convinced that developing Detroit's nighttime economy is primarily a political issue. You know, so while the auto industry was, was really kind of f uh, failing around trying to, uh, you know, find its footing uh, in the face of uh, competition from other countries, Culturally, Detroit was going out and influencing people all over the world. That's significant. And, you know, we like to talk now about soft power and, and, and cultural capital, and Detroit's got a lot of that. But I just think that the city administration is, is not completely aware of how much it's got. Why? I think because they've never really thought about cultural capital. I think that the Detroit Berlin organization is really important because that's kind of the mission of that group. The great thing is that Dimitri was one of the very few people who actually took it upon himself to say, yeah, what can I do in Detroit? And how can I inspire something in Detroit? And so that became the, the seed 
where this Detroit Berlin organization grew out of. For the past five years, the Detroit Berlin Connection has been organizing theater performances, discussions and music events in Detroit and Berlin. As an important result, Detroit's City Hall announced Adrian Tonnen to be the nighttime economy ambassador to the mayor of Detroit, and he's taking part in many events of the Detroit Berlin Connection. The association has been able to show him how Berlin became a prosperous city again, out of the debris of the wall, but he's much less euphoric about Detroit. You know, Berlin, you can't really compare. You have in Berlin, you have, what is it, three million people that live in Berlin? Almost four. Almost four. We have 600, seven, 700,000 that, that live here. You know, we're doing a new census. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to rise. But um, it's just we don't have Europe an hour and a half away where everyone that from Europe will come on a plane and come to Berlin over the weekend. We don't have four million people. So we're, we're a little bit more grassroots here. And we're, you know, it's more organic what's happening. There's a lot of electricity here. There's a lot of innovation. Um, Detroiters, if you go all over the world and there are Detroiters planted all over the world, there's some of the best that there ever was in the industry. So we create something here that is truly special, but we're in the business, especially in government, to retaining and attracting more residents, visitors, people to come here and enjoy Detroit. I think that's our, our focus right now is really the attraction piece, to get people to come here, but always taking care of Detroiters first. This reluctant attitude is exactly what Dimitri Hegemann and his friends at the Detroit Berlin Connection are trying to change all for the benefit of Detroit. Back in Berlin, he seems to be more determined than ever about his dream to give something back to Detroit. I saw the Detroiters. What a lovely people, you know. They're really full of energy. They love the city and they really want to do the best. And they have something great, you know. They have this potential, this music, you know. And I think this is, besides the car industry, one of the best assets they have and they should use it. The 64-year-old Berlin techno and music entrepreneur who founded Berlin's world-famous techno club Tresor after the fall of the wall doesn't want to stop believing in a prosperous Detroit beyond the auto. A Detroit without curfew and with a growing nighttime economy. Dimitri Hegemann has good reason to hold on to his beliefs and to continue his efforts for Detroit. From a simple first track on his label Tresor Records three decades ago, He's now become a wealthy man in a wealthier city of Berlin. Wunderbar together. You've been listening to The Big Pod, a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.